With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 18 of Bunyip Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Bunyipland by George Manville Finn. Chapter 18. How I Nearly Had an Arrow to Drink. We were soon on the way towards the interior again, and the doctor and I had set to work trying to obtain some information from Taihai and also from Aru, another intelligent-looking follower who had been one of the prisoners made by the captain of the burnt schooner. It was hard work, but we were daily getting to understand more and more of the commoner words of conversation, and by degrees we managed to make out that the reason why we had not come upon any native village was that the nearest was still many days' journey distant, but that if we changed our course and went down to the seashore we should soon find signs of occupation. But I felt that this would be of no use, for if my father had been anywhere on the coast he must have come in contact sooner or later with one or other of the trading vessels, whose captains, even if they could not bring him away on account of his being a prisoner, would certainly have reported somewhere that they had seen a white captive and the news must have spread. He must be right in the interior somewhere, I said, and I'm sure we can't do better than keep on. I think you're right, Joe, said the doctor thoughtfully. I feel sure I am, I said. I don't expect to find him directly, but I mean to go on trying till I do. That's the way to find anybody, said Jack Penny. You're sure to find him if you keep on like that. Come along. Jack went off, taking great strides, as if he expected to be successful at once. But he did not keep up the pace long, but hung back for me to overtake him, saying, I say, Joe Carstairs, does your back ever ache much? No, I said, very little, only when I'm very tired. Ah, you ain't got so much back as I have, he said, shaking his head. When you've got as much as I have, you'll have the backache awfully like I do. I say, I wonder where old Jimmy has got to. He's close at hand somewhere, I said. Depend upon it, he has not gone far. If the truth were known, I continued, he's walking along abreast of us, just hidden in the bushes. Think so, said Jack, dubiously. I'm sure about it, I replied. 
I ain't, said Jack. I'm afraid he's gone right away back, and we've offended him so that we shan't see him any more. You keep your opinion, Jack, and I'll keep to mine. I say, I wonder what that noise is. Noise? Birds, said Jack. No, no, that dull murmur. There, listen. Wind in the trees. No, I'm sure it is not, I exclaimed. There, it's gone now. It's like far-off thunder. Water, said the doctor, who had closed up with us unperceived. I've been listening to it, and it sounds to me like a waterfall. Depend upon it, we shall find that the river comes down over some pile of rocks, and if we were clear of the forest and could take a good look round, we should find that the country is growing mountainous on ahead. It seemed during the next day's journey that the doctor was right, for we were certainly ascending, the land growing more rugged and toilsome, but at the same time far more beautiful and full of variety. In place of always journeying on through thick forest or park-like stretches, we now found our way was among stony ridges and long heavy slopes, with here and there a lovely valley, so full of beauty that I used to think to myself that perhaps we should find my father had built himself a hut in some such place as this, and was patiently going on with his collecting. We had seen nothing of Jimmy for three days, and though I suspected him of being close at hand, and coming to our camp at night stealthily in search of food, it really began to appear as if he had left us for good, when an adventure toward evening showed us who was correct in his surmise. "'I don't think much of the doctor's waterfall,' Jack said to me, in his dry, drawling way. "'Why, we haven't seen it,' I replied. "'No, nor we ain't going to, seemingly. It's wind among the trees.' "'Don't be so obstinate,' I said, listening intently to hear the heavy thunderous murmur still. Now I listened for it, though I had not seemed to notice it before. "'There ain't no waterfall,' he replied, "'or we should have seen it before now. "'Perhaps the shape of the land keeps us from getting near it, "'or perhaps the wind drives the sound away. "'Or perhaps the sound drives the wind away, "'or perhaps the—' "'Look out, Joe! Look out!' Jack Penny leapt aside nimbly, and I followed his example, hardly escaping, while the man in front of me, less quick in his motion consequent upon his having a load upon his head, was sent flying by a great slate-colored buffalo, which had suddenly charged us from behind a clump of trees where it had been lying. It all happened so quickly that I had not time to think of my gun, while the doctor was fifty yards behind us and could not have fired had he been able to see for fear of hurting us. The great beast had stopped for a moment after sending our bearer flying, and then, seeing him down, snorted a little, lowered his head, and would doubtless have tossed and trampled him to death had there not suddenly come a whirring, whizzing noise from some bushes in a hollow on our right, when something struck the buffalo a heavy blow upon the muzzle, making it turn up its head, utter a furious roar, and charge at the bushes. This was my opportunity, and taking a quick aim I fired, and heard the bullet strike with a heavy thud, 
when the buffalo seemed to drop upon its knees on the steep slope and literally turn a somersault, crashing with a tremendous noise into some trees, and then, to my astonishment, rising again and going off at a lumbering gallop. It did not go far, for just then there was the sharp crack of the doctor's piece, and once more the buffalo fell heavily, to lie struggling, while to my astonishment I saw a familiar black figure bound out of the bushes, catch up the boomerang he had thrown, and then race after the buffalo, which he reached just as the doctor also came up and put it out of its misery with a merciful shot to the head. "'Jimmy, kill him! Jimmy, boomerang, kill him!' shouted the black, dancing upon the prostrate beast, while Jack and I were busy helping the poor bearer to his feet, and making sure that, though stunned, he was not seriously hurt. "'No,' said the doctor, "'no bones broken. It's wonderful what some of these savage races will bear.' He ceased his examination and gave the poor fellow a friendly clap on the shoulder, while, after lying down for a time in the new camping ground, close up to the welcome supply of meat, the injured man was sufficiently recovered to sit up and eat his share of roast buffalo flesh. Some delicious steaks which we cooked proved very welcome to us by way of a change, but we did not commence without a few words with Master Jimmy who was all smiles and friendliness now with everybody, till the doctor said, pointing to the abundant supply of meat, No more bad illness, Jimmy. You are not to eat much. Jimmy won't eat not bit, he cried viciously. Go in a bush and starve a death. There, sit down and eat your supper, said the doctor sternly, and no more nonsense, please. The black looked at him in a sidelong fashion, and his fingers played with the handle of his waddy, which was behind him in his waistband, and then he quailed beneath the doctor's steady gaze and sat down humbly by the campfire to cook and eat what was really a moderate quantity for an Australian black. Next morning we were off at daybreak, our way lying up a narrow ravine for a short distance, and then between a couple of masses of rock, which seemed to have been split apart by some earthquake. And directly we were through here, the dull humming buzz which we had heard more or less for days suddenly fell upon our ears with a deep majestic boom that rose at times as the wind set our way into a deafening roar. I looked triumphantly at Jack Penny.